Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. I just ask if you would turn over to Acts chapter 27 with me this morning so we continue going through uh, the book of Acts and what the Lord has been saying to us through the Apostle Paul's life as of late. So Acts chapter 27, we're going to continue our worship, our youth, um, our youth are going to be decorating the sanctuary after this morning service. They always take on... um, the decorating of our sanctuary, and so we look forward to them and what they're going to be doing. Let me um, grab my, um, my slides are messed up here. Let me grab my slides here. Here we go. Perfect. I've got it now. I clicked the wrong button. They weren't messed up. I was the one that was messed up. Uh, But we're going to continue looking at the the book of Acts chapter 27. We're going to get there in just one second. Uh, You probably notice that things are a little bit different on the platform this morning. Uh, Things are a little bit different in that the chairs are perfectly straight when you came in this morning, right? You're like, what's going on around here? Uh, you, You probably didn't notice it, though, and that's intentional. Uh, The sanctuary has been painted, and we are so thankful for that. Uh, The colors now uniform from the top all the way to the bottom, all the way up to the wood, Uh, and all of this has been painted, and we're getting ready, not just for Christmas, but we're getting ready for what we feel is an assignment from the Lord as we've wrestled with this, is prepare this place for future decades of ministry. And so we begin to look at a variety of different things, and we've shared some of this with you, and so what I'm going to share with you this morning is nothing new. You've heard it before. Before, uh, but just as a reminder of the direction that we're going uh, with the sanctuary being painted, I'm excited that we have a committee that is meeting on Tuesday night, and they're going to pick out carpet for the uh, for the sanctuary. I am not on that committee. Praise the Lord. I'm not on that carpet committee. Um, But they are going to pick out some um, carpet. We're going to be putting a new carpet in the sanctuary. Uh, We also uh, took down this wall that Pastor Jordan uh, built, um, I think it was three and a half years ago. That wall's been up there that long. Um, Maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, But uh, we've taken that wall down uh, because, as we shared with you many months ago, we're actually going to be putting up an LED wall back here. This is what that actually looks like. Um, And so if you think of that black wall that was back here, um, it's going to be about the size of that, just a little bit smaller. This is what it will look like if you're um, sitting down there. Um, If you're up in the balcony, uh, this is what it will look like from up in the balcony. We're excited uh, because the Lord is faithful and the Lord has provided for us to be able to do these things. And we feel that um, we're we're not going to change what we do on Sunday. So just because we put an LED wall back back there doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden going to turn into some crazy uh, rock and roll concert on Sunday mornings. It's not going to change what we're doing. What we really feel is uh, this is going to create an atmosphere that is more amenable for us in our worship. Because one of the things, if you think the screen is all the way up there, 
you're really distracted and paying more attention to the screen to get the words than our worship leaders that the Lord uses every single week. And so by bringing that down and putting it right behind, you'll be able to be more engaged in worship. And so we're very, very excited that the Lord has provided for us and that we're able to do these things so that for decades to come, uh, we will be able to worship together here and uh, in kind of a, a newly redone space here. We've got some other things uh, that we're going to be doing and we'll be sharing with you. Um, the lobby is uh, one of the things that's on our list uh, that we're uh, talking about now and remodeling and doing some updating there. Uh, we just finished this past week a new roof on our secondary building, our middle school, our high school, and the, the gymnasium over there. Uh, that was a huge, huge, huge price tag, but the Lord provided us the funds to be able to do that. And I can't wait after church to walk over and to make sure that it's not leaking over there. Uh, but praise the Lord for that. But with that, though, I just want to point out, um, Daryl Harrington led these projects for us as our facilities manager, facilities director. And uh, I uh, took this last week off. Um, I was not in the office any this last week. Daryl was in the office, I think, every day this last week. And his um, facilities guys, um, Paul was here, Tyler was here, um, and they were working hard. Luke was working hard uh, on that and moving some air conditioners around. And here's, here's the provision of the Lord that I want to tell you. What was there, eight, is there eight or nine units that you had to move uh, on the secondary building? over there so they had to be removed so that underneath those air conditioning units, the roof could go in there to make sure that um, for decades to come that the roof is going to hold and the rain's not going to seep through. Uh, one of those units is an original unit to that building uh, from the mid-80s. And say, say that again? And it runs the best. Uh, that's just the provision of the Lord, right? And so Luke had to move that, lift it off, move it around, and then get it back. And we were just praying that it would keep working, and it did. Uh, the Lord is, is, is blessing us, and we are walking forward celebrating what the Lord is doing here through the ministries of Whitechapel Church. And with that, I just want to say it's what we've sang today. It's what we're going to look at in Scripture today. And I want you to know this above all things today. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? Uh, despite us, despite me, despite every single one of us, in our flesh, in our humanness, God is faithful. And God is going to do what God is going to do. Um, and God has chosen, for whatever reason, is His infinite wisdom, and we celebrate it. God has chosen for over 90 years to work through this area uh, this section of land that he actually spoke into existence in this ministry that was at first First Church of God, and then it was Whitechapel Church, and it's been called Whitechapel Church for um, just under nine decades. Uh, God is continuing to work through the ministries here. He provides in countless ways, in miraculous ways, and I just stand this morning to champion the faithfulness of God. And in Acts chapter 27, we actually see the faithfulness of God that is on display. In Acts chapter 27, Paul has gone through his trials that we've read about in over the last um, three chapters, uh, three, uh, two, three chapters. 
And Paul has spent a couple of years now in Caesarea, and he's been in prison there. He's appealed to Rome and his citizenship. And all throughout this process, uh, Paul has gone through trial and trial and trial. And time and time again, uh, they keep finding no reason for Paul to actually be found guilty of anything. But Paul has appealed to Rome, and we're going to get, uh, we're going to take a look at that this morning of what that actually looks like a little bit. Um, but I want to read Acts chapter 27, just the first part, verses 1 through 12, and I want you to follow along. Now, you will notice on this platform this morning, because they uh, covered everything up and taped everything up, the lighting is messed up on the platform. Uh, and I can't see over there on my Bible, and so I'm going to move over here because there's a light that's shining right here. It's like the star of Bethlehem that's shining down. Not on me. It's just I'm a shepherd so that I can see right here. Acts chapter 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who belonged to the imperial regiment. We boarded a ship from Adithamathum, uh, Adrithamum, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of, province of Asia, and we put out to sea. Aristocrus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The next day, we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friend's so that they might provide for his needs. And here in this verse, I just want to pause to point out, again, the faithfulness of God. What you see here in this verse that's actually being pointed out. Now, Paul's, Paul's a prisoner. He's been ran, handed over to the one who is responsible for his life, with his life, for the life of Paul in getting him back to Rome. Uh, but in this, God provides favor upon Paul so that even as a prisoner, he's able to have some time with his friends so that his needs could actually be tended to. It's amazing to me the miraculous ways that God works. Even as a prisoner, Paul is handed over to some friends so that his needs are able to be met. This is the faithfulness of God that's on display throughout this chapter that I want you to catch and I want you to grasp this morning. And we're going to look back over what's happened over the last several chapters as well. We'll keep going in verse 4. From there, we put out to sea again, and we passed to the um, eye of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now, what's happening here in this verse, when it talks about this, they're using the island, they're using the land uh, as an aid for them because there were no motors, there were, there were no motorboats that were around. They're sailing by the wind, and they're using the land to actually help guide them here. And so this is important because you'll see what happens when they eventually get to a place of shipwreck here. Verse 5, when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Celia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. Verse 7, we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving um, off Acritius when the wind did not allow us to hold our course. We sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite Salmon. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens 
near the town of Lycia. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast, or this was after Yom Kippur. So you think of Yom Kippur uh, and the time that that takes place, end of August, early September-ish, right in there. They're getting, their winter is getting ready to set in. This is definitely not a time that you want to be out on these specific waters uh, because of the seasons that are actually changing. So Paul warned them, verse 10, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo, and even to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owners of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So there's a lot that's happening in this passage of Scripture, and there's a lot that's actually going on here that if you just breeze over, you will actually miss. But the thing that I, that I glean after actually reading this uh, is Luke, who's writing this, is giving us a record. You can, you can actually trace this. I'm not going to spend any time on this. Uh, I get interested in history. I want to see where everything's taking place. You can go back and you can look all of that up. It may be actually, if you have a Bible with maps in the back, it may be even in one of those, one of those maps. But what, what Luke is doing here is he's giving us a historical record, and he's even dating this as far as a, a time period on a, an annual calendar of when this is taking place for the sake of reminding us of the faithfulness of God. He even goes a little further and gives us some insight to the conversations that are taking place. And at one point, Paul says, I just want to speak up for just a second. Paul being a prisoner who has some favor from God with those that are holding him captive, Paul says, I just want to speak up for just a second, and I just want to remind you, this is not the time that we actually want to start sailing uh, over to Rome. We, we, We want to avoid Italy right now, and let's just hold off. In a few months, we'll be able to go. And Paul's uh, rationalization for this is, I've been held for two years in Caesarea, so what are we all of a sudden in a hurry for? Why do we got to get there so fast? But in this, Paul actually speaks up, And Paul says, for the sake of the ship, for the sake of the cargo, and goodness gracious, for the sake of our own lives, let's not do this. Let's just hold off. And as I was thinking about Paul's words of warning to those, I got to thinking about Christmas time. And at Christmas time, you always have to think about Charlie Brown because in that great performance in Charlie Brown, you see them actually give us the scripture in verse uh, of of, uh, Luke chapter 2. But in this, if you remember in Charlie Brown, anything about Charlie Brown, one of the things that always frustrated me in Charlie Brown was the teacher. Do you remember the teacher in Charlie Brown? This was the teacher speaking. Remember? That was how the teacher always spoke in Charlie Brown. If you've ever been a student in a classroom, you probably think that all teachers talk like that from time to time, right? Don't nod your head, kids. Uh, don't, there's a lot of teachers that are in this room. But this was how it was received from Paul whenever he's speaking up here. Paul's speaking out because he has the favor of God on his life, and Paul wants to actually avoid potentially losing his life. He's lived through the beatings that he has had. At one point, they beat him within an inch of his life, and they drug him out of the city. 
and left him there for dead that the birds were beginning to come and, and to hover around him. Paul's lived through his time of imprisonment uh, when he was in Jerusalem and then transferred over to Caesarea. For a few years, have actually, a couple to a few years have actually gone by, and all of this opposition that's come against Paul, the religious opposition, the political opposition, Paul has lived through all of this, and he's saying, hey, just for the sake of our lives, let's not make this trip right now, but it's not received. All their thinking is Paul's just wah, 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 wah. But what's happened here is Paul is actually giving some knowledge. He's actually sharing some knowledge that he's actually been given. Paul was not a sailor. Paul did not spend his life out on the sea chartering boats, doing fishing, and doing a whole lot of traveling actually by sea. All of his journeys, uh, with the exception of just some, some small little trips, we actually see Paul actually traveling by land. But Paul was given some insight and he was given some wisdom. He was given some knowledge here that he's just actually passing on. And when I read Acts chapter 27, this just stood out to me. Wait a minute. Paul's got some knowledge that would not be really naturally a part of what his trade actually was. He was a tent maker. He wasn't a ship sailor. He wasn't uh, uh, someone that spent tons of time. But God actually gave him a gift of knowledge. And he's speaking into a space in which he is not invited to have a word into. This is the centurion. This is the soldier's business. This is the owner of the ship's business. This is the crew of the ship's actually business. But Paul has actually made it his business, not only because he's at risk of his life, and not only because their life is also at risk, but, but I believe Paul, uh, Paul has received a prophetic word from the Lord that he's saying, hey, there's an issue coming up that we need to be aware of. We need to hold back for just a little bit of time. God is speaking through the apostle Paul, and it's not actually being received. And so imagine this tension that is already in the apostle Paul. Yeah, he's got some favor. <coughs> Excuse me. Yes, they allowed him to spend some time with his friends so that his needs could actually be met. And yes, God has provided and been faithful for Paul's life over and over and over and over. But here he's sharing something that is immediately rejected. God's speaking through the Apostle Paul again. Despite the imprisonment, despite the opposition from those who are against him. And I imagine the owner of the ship and the, the sailors, those that were the crew that was working on the ship, I'm sure Luke doesn't give us that insight, but I'm almost certain that they actually spoke up and they had words back to Paul. You see a little bit of that here in the scripture that they say, no, we're going to continue going on. But there had to be some serious conversation taking place here. And despite that opposition, Paul still spoke what the Lord had laid on his heart. Do you know, a reminder for me is, if you will slow down enough, and if you will pause the noise of life long enough, you'll hear God leading you. You'll hear God imparting his wisdom to you. One of the things we always pray for is, God, I need some wisdom, or God, I need to have your direction. I need to have your sense of guidance in this decision that I have to make, or in the direction that I'm actually going. Paul had done the work before the moment had actually come. Paul had slowed down long enough. Paul had paused the noise of his life for long enough that he had received from the Lord and that he's actually sharing now. And in his journeys of his life, 
where the opposition was against him, the religious leaders were opposing him, in the journeys of his life where they had attempt after attempt after attempt upon his life, after his trials, after his years in prison, in all of his travels, the thing that we see from the Apostle Paul's life is that God is faithful, God is speaking, and God is leading the Apostle Paul. What a great encouragement for us here today in 2023 as we get ready to wrap up another year to look back and reflect upon our lives and remind ourselves that despite the craziness of the world around us and despite the crazy political climate, the economical climate, uh, the social, everything around us that it seems like everything's just going crazy right now, the things that we have to do as followers of Jesus Christ who are filled with His Spirit is right now slow down long enough and pause the noise of life long enough so that we can receive the wisdom of God, the direction of God to lead us forward. I would go so far as to say we don't go forward until we have a certainty that God is the one that's doing the leading. Because if we're leading each other, Oh, what a rat race that that could turn into being, right? But the responsibility for us is to be as confident as Paul is in this moment, as a prisoner who has no voice but speaking into a space that he was not invited to speak into and to deliver the voice of God. God's leading, and God is faithful. But, but... What happens when God doesn't seem to act like we think that he should be acting? What happens, what happens whenever we think that God should be working over here, but instead God is working over here in this way and not the way that we actually imagined? What happens in our own lives whenever we think this is the direction that we need to be going. This is the direction that makes more sense. This is the direction that I know that I know that this is the way that I should be going. But then God says, no, it's this direction. What happens in those moments? And we know that God is loving. We know that God is caring. We know that He truly, truly deeply cares for us. And we know that He has our best interests in mind. But what about when it seems like God is doing something totally different than what we could have ever imagined or what we ever even thought of? Or what about those moments of our life when it seems like God is not paying a bit of attention to us? Have you ever had those moments? You pray, you wrestle, you fast, you talk to God, you sit with your journal, you beg God to speak, and it just seems like that God can't hear us. Maybe it's that he's not listening, or maybe it's he's just being uncooperative in those moments of our life. I don't, I don't know about you, but I have those moments. I'm thinking, God, come on. I, I, I'm willing to do whatever. I'm willing to follow after you. But you just got to lay out a map. I really would have loved to have been the person on this ship and gotten this map and known that we were going to get to the end, Right? But what do you do when you're over here at Myra and you're not even a third of, a third of the way into the, tr the trip and all of a sudden the winds are blowing you off course? 
You've got to sail along the shore so that the winds don't blow you out and then the waves take your ship under. What do you do in those moments? What do you do when God doesn't seem like a way maker in your life? What do you do when your mind says, even when I don't see it, he's working, but yet the evidence is I don't see it and I haven't seen it in quite a while? Paul could have felt abandoned in this moment. Imagine the tension inside of Paul that could have been there Whenever he's been taken as a prisoner, he spends two years in Caesarea. They do, uh, uh, really, it's a clown court that they put him through. And they go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over and over and over again. The religious leaders are saying he's guilty. The political leaders are saying, I don't see anything that he needs to be tried for. Paul has appealed to Rome. He has to get to Rome. And all of a sudden, you're on this ship. And you feel like you're actually going to give your life. Paul could have felt abandoned in this moment. And the, the, the cry from Paul could have been at this point, God, you saved my life at this point. You've radically transformed me. I've seen you do miracle after miracle. You've uh, sustained me through trial after trial after trial. And then you've put me out here on this boat, and this is how it's all going to end. This is how my life is going to end right here on this ship, just trying to get back to Rome. Paul had this, could have had, this uh, tension inside of him, and his mind could have led him to believe that he had been abandoned completely by God and left at the mercy of the owner of the ship and the sailors and the crew that were on the ship. But he didn't. He received a word from the Lord that he relayed to those, and he was reminded, Paul was reminded of the faithfulness of God. Because time and time and time and time and time again in Paul's life, God had provided for Paul. And Paul had already resolved long before he got on the ship that God was a faithful God and God was always going to work in his life. Today, I tell you, if you get nothing else from this, God is faithful. And we have to resolve this before we ever get to the crisis moments. Because in crisis, panic can overtake us. And we can begin to make irrational decisions that are not based off of the faithfulness of God. This is why spiritual disciplines are vital in your life. This is why you have to be a part of a church. This is why you have to be diligent in reading the Scripture and memorizing the Scripture. This is why you have to spend time in the Lord with worship. This is why I say you should journal all the time and write things down because when it seems like God's not working, you need to go back through your journal and reread those areas in your life where He has worked miracle, where He has been faithful, and where He has provided for you over and over and over over again so that the lies of the enemy are silenced because of the faithfulness of God. One of the things that I love about Pastor Gary, and in the time that he served as pastor, and even in the time that I've, uh, that I've known Pastor Gary, one of the things that Pastor Gary always reminds everyone around him is we have a God. But it's not just a God, it's the God. And the God is faithful to us. And the one true God will always carry us through every storm in our life. 
You see, the Holy Spirit, though, will help you see what your natural eyes cannot. And we need to pause and listen, though. You see, what Paul had done here is he had relied on the Holy Spirit to allow him to see what his natural eyes could not. And when Pastor Gary reminds those around him that we have a God, the true God, what he's saying is we need to not rely upon what we can actually see, but instead we step back from the crisis of a moment and we say, no, God is my God, and he is always faithful and always going to provide for us. But what happens in that tension that we have in our life when we pray and we ask God to help us, but then it just seems like God doesn't show up or God's not on time? What about those times in our life when God is late or when it seems like God is absent? Let's be honest. This is where we live sometimes in our walk with him. We let our flesh get in the way of what we actually know to be true about God. We say, well, God's always working. He's just, for whatever reason, not working right here. And you know what? The enemy takes that and he runs with it. And the enemy will say, well, it's because of your sin, because you're such an evil, cruel sinner, because you've done this in the past of your life, or because this is who you are, or because this is what you look like, or because this is what, these are the decisions that you've made in your life. The enemy will run with that because he wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. But life that Jesus give, gives only comes when we know that we know that God is faithful and God is always at work. We question ourselves all the time, though. Where's God at? Why didn't God show up? We turn on the news. We look on the internet. We scroll through a variety of different things. We wrestle with it. We say, where was God in this situation? Paul could have done that on the boat. Where's God in this situation? Where is God in this situation? But you know what happened? You know what happened? Long before Paul got on the boat, I told you that he had already resolved that God was a faithful God. Long before Paul had gone through this crisis where they were probably going to lose the ship, they were going to lose the cargo, and could potentially lose their life, God had been with Paul. The spiritual disciplines were vital for Paul long before he got to this moment. Because in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, the Scripture says, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. Now, let's just stop there for just a second. The following night, Acts 23, verse 11, the following night the Lord stood near Paul and said, and we'll look at what he said here in just a second. But you see what Paul had done in his life? He had made space available in his life where that was even a possibility for the Lord to come near him and to stir something inside of him. But you know what we do so often in our lives? We run around The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We're crying out. Doom and gloom everywhere. And we have not made space for God to come stand near us and actually say something. But Paul didn't do that. And the lesson from Acts chapter 20, the beginning of Acts chapter 27, is not only that God is faithful, but that, God, but that Paul had made space in his life 
so that before the crisis comes, he didn't react because of the crisis, but he stood confident on the faithfulness of God. So what did God say? Acts 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage. Now, when God says take courage, you got to take courage. Paul needed courage in that moment, but he also needed courage for Acts chapter 27. Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. You see what God was saying to Paul? God came near Paul and spoke to him and said, you have to go to Rome and you have to testify about me in Rome. Well, how do you get to Rome? You go on a ship. God provided for Paul to get to Rome by being imprisoned that the centurion would carry him to Rome. But I'm sure in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, Paul did not imagine that he was going to be going on a ship when the seasons were changing, the winds were going to be high, and winter was on the way. And this would be the ship where they may lose the ship, they may lose the cargo, and there's potential that they would actually lose their life. But because of Paul making space for God to come near him in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, when he got to Acts chapter 27, he said, God told me I'm going to Rome. And so I don't care if the centurion's going to put me on this ship and the waves are going to come and we're going to lose the ship and cargo. I know that I know that God came near me and God said that I'm going to Rome. And so it doesn't matter if we shipwreck or not, somehow or another, God's going to get me to Rome because he's told me I have to go testify in Rome. And because I have not testified in Rome, they're not going to take my life. Because God has a specific assignment for me that he told me about in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Now, Paul wouldn't have said Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Because Acts chapter 23, verse 11 hadn't been written yet. But you know what should be written? That I believe was written for Paul is what the Lord has spoken to you in your journal. You remember those commercials several years ago? And it was always in a classroom. And these kids in the classroom would go A, B, C, D, E, F. And then they would get to E, F, and then they would stop. And the teacher would encourage them, well, keep going. It's E, F, and then what comes next? And the kid would start over and go A, B, C, D, E, F. And they would get to E, F, and the kids could not go on because they said, eventually it was real in the commercial, that after EF has to come the word Hutton. You remember? EF Hutton. And the argument was from this commercial that was presented is whenever EF Hutton speaks, you better listen because it's going to be financially beneficial for you. Well, I don't know about EF Hutton. I've never met EF Hutton. I don't know anything about EF Hutton. But I have met Jesus Christ. And whenever Jesus Christ speaks, you better listen. And with our human minds, I say a step further, you better write it down. Because I'm a forgetful person. And even though I think, oh, God said it, and I'm going to remember it, life is busy. And there's a lot that's on our mind. And I believe, I believe, I don't know for certain, but I believe that Paul had written down 
what the Lord had said to him in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, when he said, you've got to go testify for me in Rome as a reminder that whenever potential shipwreck came, Whenever beatings came, whenever trial after trial after trial came, and you're held for over two years as a prisoner in Caesarea, that you still have got to get to Rome because God has an assignment. I believe that Paul had written it down as a reminder of the things that God had spoken. You see, what I said is that if you'll slow down enough and if you'll pause the noise of life just long enough, you will hear God speaking. You will hear God imparting His wisdom to you. And if God does speak, and if He does impart His wisdom to you, you need to write it down. Because the enemy is a liar. And he will twist the word of God. That's what the entire book of Revelation is all about. The enemy gets as close to being God and deceptive as possible. What did he do in Genesis chapter 3? He came to Eve and he said, did God really say that? He just asked a question. Is that really exactly what God said to you? I would say, had Eve written it down and Adam written it down, they could have gone back and said, mm, yeah, that is what God said to me because I, I wrote it down in my journal right here and you cannot lie to me because this is what I know God has actually spoken. Now, that's my play on what could have happened. And we can't go back and take Evernote, our notes from our iPads, our computers, and go back and redo Genesis chapter 3. It's not possible. But you can start right here, right now, on the 26th day of November of 2023. What has God spoken to you? What has God stirred in your life as a reminder of His faithfulness, of His provision, and of His plan for you in your life? Because in those dark moments of shipwrecks, in those dark moments of struggles and tensions and pain, loneliness, of your life, you need to be reminded of God's faithfulness. So how do we do that? I'm going to quickly go through several things here that I want you to actually catch and actually grasp. Daryl, I don't think all of those slides are in there. I only see two things, and there's actually four things if you want to, if you want to add those. Let me give you this scripture, though, because I want you to grasp here what Jesus actually said. That can be a starter for you to catch. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is a verse that you need to remind yourself of regularly. Take up your cross, deny myself, take up my cross and follow Jesus. What Jesus did not say here is be true to yourself. The enemy will come to you and say, well, just be true to yourself. Be the best version of yourself that you could actually possibly be. Just do good. Do well. Be true to yourself. 
Be the best version, but that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus actually said, come after me. If you want to come after me, deny yourself. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Crucify yourself. And then follow me. Jesus laid out what we actually had to do. And listen, this is what Paul had done. And this is how Paul was living in Acts chapter 27. You remember in Acts chapter 23, Paul said, I don't want to go to Jerusalem, but God has told me I have to go to Jerusalem. And then he gets to Jerusalem, and Jesus says to Paul, it came near him, he says to Paul, just as you testified in Jerusalem, you now have to go to Rome, and you have to testify about me in Rome. So if you want to, den- if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, the first thing that you have to do is you have to deny yourself. And there are sometimes in us false feelings or false emotions that will lead us away from God. And sometimes these are actually even real emotions or they're actually real feelings that we have inside of us. But what we have to do is we have to crucify those things and say, I'm not going to make an emotional decision. I'm not going to make a decision based off of my feelings. But instead, what I am going to do is I am actually going to chase after the heart of God. I am denying myself. I'm taking up my cross, and I'm actually going to follow Jesus. This is what Jesus has told us that every single one of us have to do if we want to be followers of him. The next thing that we have to do is we have to sit with your journal and write what you sense that God is actually saying to you. Sit with your journal and write what you feel that God is actually saying to you. This is what I said I think that Paul had actually done here. I think that Paul had done this. He had written down what God had spoken to him in Acts chapter 23 so that he could actually then live it out in this this specific moment. The third thing that you have to do is you have to test it. You can't just write it and say, God told me this, and then run with it. You've got to test it. And the way that you test it is you test it with Scripture. Because just as I read from Psalm, God's Word is always true. God will never tell you something that is contrary to what His Word is. God's not going to tell you to lie. Because He's told us that liars go to hell. It's scriptural. So God's not going to tell you something that is contrary to his word. And not only do you test it with the scripture, but you test it with biblical encouragers around you. That's a word that that I put those two together. I started with just an encourager, but I didn't want just an encourager. What we have to have are biblical encouragers. Because there are some encouragers in our life that the enemy will use by playing on our feelings and playing on our emotions. And we have to rise above that. Hey, let me tell you, had I been Paul here in Acts chapter 27 and the boat starts uh, um, rocking, the waves are coming up over, and there's a risk of, of, of losing the boat, the cargo in my life, let me tell you, I want out of that situation. Had I played on my emotions in that moment, I would have said, I'm getting out of here. It's every man for himself. Good luck. God's going to take care of me. I hope to see you whenever we get to Rome. But that's not what Paul did. Paul stayed the course because he knew what God had spoken to him. He had tested it with biblical encouragers all around him. You see that by not just in this passage when his friends are tending to his needs, but all throughout his couple of years in prison. So you've got to make certain 
that you have denied yourself, you've taken up your cross, and you're committed to actually following Jesus, sitting with your journal, writing it down in your journal. When the Lord does come near and he does saying some, say something to you, testing it with Scripture and testing it with biblical encouragers. The lesson from Acts chapter 27 is the faithfulness of God in a God who is at work in your life, even when we don't see it. A God who is at work in your life, even when you're wrestling and you're just like, I don't know where God is. I can't feel God in this moment. I can't sense God. There's no way that he could be in this potential shipwreck of my life like it was in Acts chapter 27. But God is faithful. And the guy that lived this out, Paul, some years earlier, wrote the book of Romans. And in Romans 8, verse 38 and 39, Paul said, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, nothing can separate you from God. Nothing can separate you from God. Not even death in and of itself. And whenever you're with God, you will always experience the faithfulness of God. You just have to slow down and pause the noise long enough so that you can be with Him and you can sense what he's actually saying to you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.